0: Today's sponsor is EveryPlate. Initially, I thought meal kits had to be expensive, that there were kind of a splurge. But as it turns out, EveryPlate is more affordable than groceries. Their quality ingredients come pre-portioned to help you save money and reduce food waste. You know, like the bag of spinach that I throw out every single week. You can skip the store and let EveryPlate plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a consistently low price. For me, in the summer, I'd rather be out enjoying the sunshine than cooking. EveryPlate helps me do just that. veggie plate, family plate, and easy plate preferences to serve up crowd-pleasing meals night after night. Try EveryPlate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering the code SELFIE179. Again, that's $1.79 per meal at everyplate.com with the code SELFIE179. Today our show is sponsored by Nutrafol. 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. If you are among them, know that you're not alone and there is a solution you can trust to deliver results thousands of women have taken back control of their hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol offers targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. Healthier hair growth takes time. You'll begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster growing hair in three to six months in a clinical study. 86% Plus, you get free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com. That's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code SELFIE. Hey, everyone. I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and a psychotherapist. And I'm Rue Powell, an admitted workaholic and self-care Luddite. And you are listening to SELFIE, a weekly podcast about women learning to take better care of themselves.
1: We think self-care is important,
0: but it can simultaneously be elusive. Hey, guys. Well, today we're going to be chatting with author Latasha Morrison. She wrote the book Be the Bridge, which is a fantastic guide for people wanting to take the next steps in working towards racial reconciliation. She and I have a larger conversation that is going to be going up on my Instagram feed on at Kristen Howerton Friday morning. So you can check that out. Um, But we wanted to chat with her a little bit about some of the news this week, specifically around Ahmaud Arbery, and what we can do for those of us who are feeling frustrated and helpless. Um, We're also going to be hearing from BJ Hickman. She's going to be talking to us about how to deal with that Mother's Day hangover. But first, I'm going to chat with Rue. Rue, how is your self-care going? I am trying new things right now, um, Mm -hmm. which
1: just feels like all of us are doing, whether it's, I don't know, baking bread or picking up a new hobby. Um, But I have never really done a meditation before outside of the last few minutes of a yoga class which I always really like and I've found that certain apps I just didn't find super appealing right like you know if it's a recording of a stern British man uh, it's not I don't find that particularly soothing so um, I have been trying meditating and I've just you know five minutes and just focus on my breathing and um it's a practice. So yeah. I am, but, but I appreciate it. And I know that there's um, benefits, benefits of it. So I am, I am making a commitment to giving it a solid, uh, a solid try.
0: That's good. You know, it's interesting. I have, I've always struggled with meditation. And I recently read an article that was about people with anxiety and meditation. And it suggested that some of us, have a version of anxiety that actually makes meditate meditation anxiety provoking. Oh. Which I was like, oh my gosh, that's me. And I've never understood it. But I think it's one of those things where you really do have to develop that muscle. And for those of us with anxiety who then throw ourselves into, you know, a 20-minute meditation, it's just it's too overwhelming,
1: right. I actually so lately, I feel this way about running because I'm like, you know running's supposed to be so good for you, and people find running to be meditative, and you kind of clear your head and um if I'm already a little anxious and my heart rate's already a little you know yeah da, 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 yeah, and then I'm running, which is raising my heart rate, right, and I've noticed that like I'll end a run, and I'm like, oh, that was exhilarating, but also I'm a little bit panicked like. Clowns could have been chasing me just now and it would have been the same level of the same level <laughs> totally. of concern maybe you know Yeah
0: I think that, that that was true for Sarah James too I think that that's a, another total issue
1: Although I do like – and maybe that's just right now and, you know, yeah. uh, as we go through ebbs and flows with uh, certain things that we all deal with, you know, that'll, that'll change. I think, too, honestly, I just – I sound like such a baby, but I just really miss the gym. I miss going to the gym and uh, sweating and suffering along next to other people. Mm-hmm. And I miss lifting heavy weights, which is really hard to do if you don't. Like, it's one thing to, like, you know, run around the neighborhood yeah. um, or do a yoga class at home. It's very hard to lift heavy weights unless you've just got, like, I don't have access system. to. Right, right. Um, so, I continue to be bummed about that. And I there's a point where I need to kind of get over it and just do something else for now. But um, because I'm like, oh, I miss my gym and I want to, you know, if I had access to, whatever kettlebells or a landmine or whatever. So um, I haven't found anything that I really enjoy doing workout wise, which bums me out. I don't like videos so much. I mean, I'll do them, but I'm not, I don't love them. Like I love a class or like I love like working out at the gym. So, so yeah, that's now I just sound like I complained for two minutes, but well, that
0: is so funny though, because I will tell you, I would do just about anything, to not have to take a class. Like that's my least favorite. <laughs> I want to be alone. I want to not have to look at people. I want to be outside. I hate being in a room. I hate being in a room with other people working out. But I have bad news about the gym. I just was reading an article that I will post in the selfie Facebook group and it was talking about what are the most high risk scenarios? Like where where have they seen outbreaks really happen? And it was really interesting and the gym was really high on the list. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, if you think about it, like
1: you're all in a room and you're breathing heavily (laughs) and sweating and just touching everything. Um, And whether it's like a big box gym or I belong to this all women's weightlifting gym, which is super cool, but you're all like everyone's
0: high-fiving. You're all using the same bucket of chalk. Well, and I think the bigger issue is when everyone is is really exhaling in a in a closed community you know and like breathing heavily because the other ones were choirs which is Ooh. sad for me um and you know chur- churches um airplanes and restaurants i guess restaurants are really bad you know areas of infection too Ah, uh,
1: yeah that is a real bummer yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I even think like yoga classes where you're supposed to be breathing heavily, and it's like a small room. And if it's like a packed class, you're all sweating within inches from each other, and you're letting out all these deep, forceful breaths. Ugh. Yes, yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. I think that might be a while before we're all back in a gym, but yeah, probably longer find- for me. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I need to. I need to find something to do that I. I like – I mean, thankfully, the weather is better, and if this was happening in the dead of winter, I would just be very sad. So, yeah. Anyway, um, how's how's your self-care?
0: This has not been one of my best weeks. I I you know, know you had a rough day. I had a rough day, and we haven't even talked about it yet. You know, so I co-parent, and my ex takes my kids two days a week. Um, that's the schedule that it's supposed to to be, um, but it, as a sc- – quarantine sort of began he was resistant to follow the shelter-in-place stuff and so there was like a month period where the kids didn't go to his house at all because you know he was just not quite willing to you know cut contact off Uh, casual contact off um and and so when the kids go back over there i ask him before they come back home like just confirming that you you know, didn't have any contact with anyone outside the family. And today he wouldn't answer me. And then he dropped the kids off at the house. And, you know, I mean, I have asthma and other underlying health issues. Like, and, you know, I'm just, I am I really, really don't want to get this virus. And I've been right. trying really hard not to. You know, we've made just a ton of sacrifices and, you know, we are massively quarantined. And... I was just, you know, it was just a really stressful afternoon because I didn't know if his lack of answering was because he didn't want to tell me or if it was just another thing he does, which is just not answer me as a kind of control thing. Um, Because he doesn't like answering questions, not just for me. He just doesn't like direct questions. He, you know, that feels, he feels like he's being controlled when people ask him questions. So it was just a really (sighs) stressful afternoon of like the kids came back and I'm like, hey, guys, your dad hasn't answered my questions, so I'm going to need you to sit outside for a few minutes. Mm. And then those few minutes, you know, I thought like I'd ping him, and you know, hey, can you just answer? And then he wouldn't answer. Shoot! And then it became like a showdown of him refusing to answer, and the kids texting him saying, "Can you just answer, mom?" And it was an ugly scene. It was just an ugly, ugly that scene. Is crazy, frustrating. It was really frustrating. It was, and I think all my kids were very frustrated with him. Um. You know, I mean, I think withholding information can be a means of people who need a lot of control maintaining control, you know, and I don't care who he's with. I don't care what he's done. I just need to, like, a simple yes or no of, like, has there been contact outside in the community or not, you know, don't need to know who or what or how just right. need to know a yes or no. And he won't answer it. And that, uh, you know, it's, it's difficult because he was hesitant to, you know, he's, he's not excited about quarantining. Not that anybody is not right. that anybody is, but he has been um, resistant to following. So I don't know, we have a, a long and hard road ahead of us with this, because he has already said to me, you know, as like, as soon as the, the government opens us back up, I'm going to start Dating again and – which is tough because he, you know, he's a single guy and he deserves to not be lonely. But at the same time, it's like he doesn't have – like, he doesn't have a steady girlfriend. So, what dating means is exposure to God knows who.
1: Right. And then –
0: And then my kids come and stay with him.
1: And then subsequent subsequent uh, potential exposure to children. And I'm not – look, I don't want to – I think generally speaking, yes, the concern is that you have underlying health issues. But – I do not think that we know enough about COVID for anyone to be uh, just sort of, I don't know, easygoing when it comes to kids getting it.
0: No, I completely agree. And I want to say that clearly, too. It's not just about me. I mean, I have read enough scary stuff about cellulitis in kids that they may attribute to COVID now and strokes and blood clots. And we don't – you're right. We don't know enough. Um, and it's not showing, a, it, you know, at first we thought like, oh, the kids aren't having any of the respiratory symptoms, but it's like now we're finding out, well, maybe it manifests differently in kids and it's pretty serious. So, right. so
1: in New York, there was, you know, a, and, and I, I don't ever want to be an alarmist. But no, of I course also want to be, I also want to be aware and informed. And so in New York, there was, um, I guess they call it like a COVID related illness. Yeah, like a Kawasaki disease. That's right. Mimic. That's right. Yeah. And then at Yale, Yale released that there were three children being hospitalized for that as well. And so that's what I mean. Like, this stuff is new. And I think we're all concerned about, like, the whole thing is, like, you know, being concerned about everyone's grandparents. And I agree. But I just don't trust that we can say a specific group of people is completely safe.
0: No. And it's, like, it's really unfortunate because I truly do have empathy for anyone who was you know, heavily involved in dating apps before, and that was a big part of their life. But now that's, you know, that's really risky behavior now, you know, to just meet up with people that you meet on an app, and you have no idea what their lifestyle is or who they've been around. Um, And I, I have a lot of empathy. I really do. Like it really sucks. And I know that people are lonely, and this is exhausting. But uh, it's tough. I don't I don't know how I know that he's going to want to reenter society, so to speak, before I feel ready to expose us. And so I don't know if that, I don't know what that looks like for us.
1: Yeah. And maybe some of them in the selfie uh, podcast community group have some ideas as well, or yeah, at least some experiences maybe. to share. Well, how about two thumbs up? Do you have two
0: thumbs up for the week? I do. Well, my first one I'm going to give, hasn't even happened yet. It's happening tonight. We're recording this on Tuesday night. They're doing a smash live reunion, which was a television show. That was a Broadway musical. Um, I am enjoying the kind of like new content that's coming out. Like, I like the Disney sing alongs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, what I'm really looking forward to that I have not seen yet um, is that they just announced that they're going to put Hamilton yes. on Disney Plus. Oh
1: my gosh. Wait. On July you, 19th. You've seen Hamilton like a million times. I have,
0: yes. But I'll watch it again. Yeah, yes. And again and again. <laughs>
1: yes, my kids are particularly excited.
0: Yes. So that's fun. Um, and then I did discover a new, um, CBD chewable. Um, it's from a brand called Healist. And you know, I'm a sucker for good packaging and this one has very good packaging, mm. but they're nice little gummies. They're only 40 milligrams. So it's, you know, it's a small dose. Um, and so when my kids are struggling to sleep, I will let them have one of those chews too. No, no THC, just CBD. Um, but they're just like a nice casual help you go to sleep evening chew.
1: I have a very important question. Yeah, What is the flavor on these?
0: Yeah, that is a good question. And I'm going to say that it is a ambiguous fruit flavor. <laughs> it's fruity. Mm, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah. I mean, CBD can taste awful sometimes. Oh. And these are pretty good.
1: Okay. All right. Yeah. Worth, worth a try then. You know what yeah. I miss is I miss that there was a time years ago – where the green Skittle in a Skittles package was lime. And they changed it from lime to green apple, which is an abomination. They did? And they never changed it back. And honestly, if I was president of the United States right now, because apparently when you are, you have power over really weird things, I would mm-hmm. demand there would be an executive order to. Um, About Skittles. Yeah, for sure. So that's why I'm always like, oh. New chewies, are they are they citrus? Because I could get down with that.
0: <laughs> I don't think these are citrus, okay. unfortunately. No, that's okay.
1: I'll still give them a shot. Um, I have two, uh, two, two thumbs up as well. And one is, um, I know we talked about our hair routines kind of going a little bit more casual since we're – I, I, I try I make solid attempts to like look like a decent human every day. But um, – Everything is kind of like a little bit more laid back, which, you know, no one's going to hair salons or nail salons or whatever right now. Um, so one thing that I really like is so, I, you and I both like Drunk Elephant. What I don't I like drunk about elephant. Drunk Elephant is they have really weird product names. Um, so I'm embarrassed. sure do. I'm embarrassed to say this product name out loud, even though I very much like it. Okay. It's the Drunk Elephant D-Bronzy Anti-Pollution Sunshine Drops, which is a Wow, just, that's a lot. It's just like – it's just – I guess it's like a little bit like of a glowy moisturizer, but it's um, kind of like a bronzer. And you just do one little – like a one little, you know, pump into your hand. Depending on your skin tone, you would probably maybe just do like a little pump or mix it with a little bit of moisturizer. And it just kind of gives you this like – I had a little bit of sun, but not too much. And it's just because right now I feel like I'm indoors so much that I have the same complexion that I do in the dead of winter. Um, and it just it just warms things up a little bit. But I'm not wearing foundation. I'm not doing anything really except for like mascara and lip balm. So this is just like a nice little like I feel put together uh, for when I, you know, take my weekly trips to, I don't know, Target. Um so I like those. And dep- yes, I like those. And a little goes a long way. Do not, however, this is just going to be a, a little tip. They also make like little tiny versions of it and they'll sample it into like a kit with um, the Marula oil and uh, yes. the lip balm. It is a waste of time. Do not bother. Oh, okay. Don't bother. The sunshine drops are good. You can always return them if you don't like them. Don't bother with a teeny tiny kit because it's just a waste of packaging and a waste of product and it's not very good. Not very exciting, so... I guess, I guess Well, I have
0: to say I love the Drunk Elephant line, but the one product that they have that I don't think is worth the ridiculous price of every single one of their products is the Marula oil yes. because you, it's just 100% virgin Marula oil, which you can get that from anybody. Yes. I think like- I said
1: a couple weeks ago that I have the Marula oil and then I got like the, like cheap marula oil and i just put it in the nice marula oil bottle
0: <laughs> yes that's right you do that that's so funny i forgot you did that yeah. yes
1: oh and the lip but- balm don't don't even bother with a lip balm the lip balm is not worth your money at all and that that comes in that kit too which is why I'm.
0: i mean i like the lip balm but i think that there are lip balms in fact i use another one called sustain natural lip balm which i think is nearly identical to theirs and like half the price
1: i thought sustain was a condom company
0: It is. Isn't that so funny? It's totally, it's a condom company, a lube company, but they have an amazing lip balm. Well, it says lip and body balm. I'm guessing that this is meant to be for other things too, but I just use it on my lips. (laughs) cartridges, a cute little magnetic hook for your shower storage, and your choice of a handle color. I personally chose the coral, but what I really like about it is they have a ton of different colors, black, white, pastel, neon. So if you have a big family like mine, everyone can have the razor in their own color so you don't get them confused. What I also love about Athena Club, you guys know I love automating things. You never have to worry about dull blades because they send refills on your schedule. You just choose how often you want them and they will send them automatically with free shipping. I would also highly recommend their Cloud Shave Foam too. It's insanely thick and stays on while you shave so you don't have to reapply. It leaves your skin feeling very moisturized. It's really, really good. If you want to try a great quality razor that cuts down on the wastefulness of disposable razors, try Athena Club Razor Kit. You can get 20% off your first order at Athena Club. with the promo code SELFIE. That's A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com with the promo code SELFIE for 20% off. anywhere. That's S-E-L-F-I-E to get 15% off your first order at dearbrightly.com. I'm really excited to be sharing a portion of a conversation I had with Latasha Morrison. She's the author of the book, Be the Bridge. She's also the founder of an organization called Be the Bridge that creates groups and conversations between diverse people groups to help move people towards racial justice. She and I had an at-length conversation that included talking about how some of the historical aspects of racism are really poorly misunderstood in our country, especially for those of us who grew up in schools that weren't teaching everything completely. You can catch my entire conversation with Latasha on my Instagram page Friday morning. Um, You can also catch it on my Facebook page Friday morning and we'll put links up in the show notes. But I did want to cover... A part of that conversation here on Selfie Podcast, specifically when we start talking about Ahmad Arbery, Ahmad was a young adult who was out for a jog in his neighborhood and was gunned down by two men who believed that he was a criminal. Um, it has gotten national attention because the two men were not initially arrested. They since have been after the outrage. Um, but it is a story that has captured, I think, many, many people's attention because it is just so horrific. And Latasha shared some of her feelings around this and she said something I, I just I can't shake, which is, you know, after the hashtags and after the runs that people did for him and after the weekend of, you know, frustration, what next? What do people do next? Do they move on? Are there more steps that people can and should take? And she gives some really helpful advice. So, Latasha, I'm so glad that you are chatting with us and let's talk about Ahmad. Ahmad,
2: who was jogging. Yeah. Out for a jog. Out for a jog. I mean, like, we're still in the process. Like, the civil rights movement never ended. Like, that's what right. we have to realize. That's right. We're, it continues. We're still in it. Like, Like there's schools that begin desegregation in 54, right? I think that's when the Brown versus Board of Education. But you have to realize there was a school that in 2019 that just desegregated. Like this went on through the 70s and through the 80s in some communities. And because we're still in this process and because of um, geographical injustice mm-hmm. and because we've never rectified any wrong right. you, you're back to where you were where schools are more segregated today mm-hmm. than they were in the um, 50s and 60s at the height of the um, desegregation Yeah, you know it was like we're more segregated today because right. we didn't do any systemic system changes mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. we, we create a law and then we're like, okay, this is the law. And, but then we find a way to reinvent that same oppression in another way. Yes. And so, and, and that's the problem. And so, you, you know, you, you, you're talking about Ahmad, you know um, you know, we've never dealt with the narrative around, um around like, you know, black suspicion, you yeah. know, like we've never dealt with the, the criminalization criminalizations. Yes. Of, of black bodies. And so, um, and, and how, when these things come up, like, you know, like this week, I wasn't looking forward to this week because I was like, this is going to be the hard week because what happens is, um, you know, we have all of these things that, you know, that just took place. People are like, you know, yes, I run with Ahmad and, all this stuff, and you know, and then it, and then it just falls to the wayside. You mm-hmm. forget the hashtag. Um, there's no action, no real action, mm-hmm. no no real systemic change that comes out of it until the next hashtag, where everybody's yeah. in an uproar, everybody's upset. And, you know, some people were saying, "Well, you know, Tasha, it seems like more people are upset. Like there's more white people because like this is a this is a, a cut and dry case. Like we've been here before, you know." And it's like we have been here before. We have, we were been, here with Tamir. Yeah. We were here with Trayvon. We yes. have been here before. They said, but it's video this time. There's video. This is different. And I'm like, there's been times where it's been video, but really yeah. we have to start changing the lens. Like, yes, why does a black life have to be perfect, right? In order for us to have empathy, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, are any first of all, none of your children are perfect. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And yeah, just but, imagine if it was if the you know if If the tables were turned and this was a white 25 year old that was out running, jogging, you know, getting fresh air and sunshine and exercise, um, took a break and went and looked at a house and, you know, kept on running. And then he was gunned down by three um, African-American men. And so and the the fact is, things like that do happen. But guess what? There was video. Yeah. They'll be arrested that day, that day, that day. And so this is the thing. And so when people start bringing that up, like, you know, you don't get this outrage when it happens, you know, when it's, you know, black on black or whatever. First of all, there's just as much white on white as there is black on black crime. But the thing is we know when something happens that we're going to be punished for it. Like we're not going to walk around free. Right. And so, and then that's also a way to shift the narrative and like. It's a red you, herring. Uh, yes. It it's doesn't, red it doesn't add value to the conversation. Yeah. But it's like, I think this week I was just thinking, like, okay, this is the week where people are going to disengage. Yep. This is the week where, okay, those who have been in this since the beginning you know, you're going to become frustrated in a sense because so many people will disengage, you know, they put their post up and, th- and feel like they've done this, their civic du- duty. Yeah. Um, people are not going to get underneath on like how policies and, yes. you know, having corruption in your government, having yes. a sheriff that, you know, um, and a DA that are complicit and, you know, that are... Um, you know, that are actually uh, a part of the problem. They're not going to unravel like that, connect the dots to how I show up when I vote. Well, and let's talk
0: about that for a minute, because I do think, I do think that there are many white people, as you mentioned, who, you know, they did the hashtag, they did the run this weekend, and maybe they don't understand how to then engage in the systemic work around right. racism. So, you know, what. when we look at that case, it's w- what is protecting the two men. And we aren't going to change those two men being racists. Right. Like, right. Right. But what's protecting the two men, or what did until we had a national out, outcry, what protected right. them was laws that are in place. And the laws that were, are in place are examples of laws that perpetuate systemic racism. So, right. there's a sort of I don't know what it's called in that state, but I'm from Florida. And, and what got George Zimmerman, you know, off was this sort of stand your ground. kind of It was of the law. same thing.
2: It was, okay. Is it called
0: stand your that ground?
2: Time? Yeah. Stand your ground and citizens arrest. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so how, like, help us understand how does a stand your ground law make black people vulnerable
2: Yeah, because most of the time when that law is applied, it's only applied for white people who murder black people. Because you have to think about when those laws were created. And so Georgia also is one of the only only state out of four other states that have no other hate crime bill. And so we have to think that we're in the South. Uh Uh, We have to think about the history in Georgia. Think about the Civil Rights Movement. Think about um, the Civil War. You know, just think about all these things. So you have a, a, a state that doesn't have a hate crime bill that keeps getting rejected every year
3: mm-hmm.
2: by, you know, some of our local leaders um, in, in our in our state government. Um, But yet and still, we have a stand your your ground law Mm -hmm. that you have to realize that a lot of these laws came about in the 50s and 60s, like right at the height of the civil rights movement. Yeah. Yeah. and. And you have to connect those dots. And then the citizens' arrest, like, you know, like when you start looking at the, um, the history of that, how it goes back to um, slave patrols, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and empowering white people to control black bodies, you know, right. and to police black bodies. So right. you have to think about the history and context of this. And so mm-hmm. you have to stay engaged. You cannot disassociate because this is the thing how we show up. Mm -hmm. And how we engage. Some of this blood is on our hands and how we show up and empower people that are in office. And that's just real talk. Like, you know, it's like we got to have honest talk about this, like some of the things that we endorse and back, you know, um, are directly connected to why. Um, situations like Ahmad happen, you know, Mm -hmm. and so you know, so it's not only for them to be arrested, Mm -hmm. but we have to have people removed from office, yeah, people placed in office that have um, that are there so that all of the citizens flourish, Mm -hmm. not just some, right, but all. Yeah. You no know? and so I think that's the thing that people have to start really researching you have to really start listening to and um, some of the leaders that are out here having some of these conversations about systemic racism if you don't because what we look at is we understand that type of racism like in that sense but what we don't understand is the type of racism when you know when this man this these men go to jail or you know they're arrested after seven years four days when the the sheriff had this video for 30 days and then we'll see what type of um what type of sentence happens Mm -hmm. you know Uh, we'll see that and so that's the thing where when you start talking about systemic issues Mm -hmm. as it relates to our judicial system you know and, and, and so we'll see what, what happens with that, you know? Um, and so we're gonna have to let this play out, but we've seen it play out with Tamir Rice, mm-hmm. with Trayvon. I think that was a turning point for a lot of African Americans where mm-hmm. like, you know, this kid didn't have the right people went out then and you know people had their hoodies on and people bought lemonade and skittles the things that trayvon had just bought at the store you know people did all these things and 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 show solidarity but like where are we now today right so i want to just see it's just so exhausting Kristen. i know and it's like i put out a blog um on our page, on our Be The Bridge site of what to do now. And I mm-hmm. gave people steps. And so what we like to do is give people steps on yeah. what to do now. You know, what's the first thing? So one of the things now is this week is to be aware of how now the system and people Mm -hmm. would try to dehumanize him for doing basic, normal, everything things things that we would not look at any differently from any other white person. No, we sure
0: wouldn't. If there was a house in my neighborhood that was being built up in framing
2: and it was wide open, would I walk through it? Probably I would. Yes, because I'm interested in stuff like that. And if you know anything about him, his mom and his sister in the interviews have said he wanted to be an electrician. That was something that he was... uh, going to be going to school for, he wanted to become an electrician. That is not weird behavior, but
0: even if it was, it still doesn't matter.
2: Exactly. It's not weird because I go walking around here and, and and in my neighborhood, and there were actually some, some condos being built that I wanted to look at. And then, but I thought, Mm -hmm. I was like, I want to go peek in, Mm -hmm. but here I am, an African-American woman in a predominantly white area. And I thought, but at twenty five, I would have went right over there Mm -hmm. and looked in it. And if the door was open, probably went up in it. You see how it was laid out, you know? I for sure would do that because I'm, I'm because of the work I do and because I'm wiser now. But at twenty five, you're not, you don't realize that the world is against you, or the world sees you differently. Like there, you know, there's a a lot of our kids don't see that you know, the world is going to judge you differently. Yeah. You know, they don't recognize that, you know? And so, um, so yeah, so we try to create things and steps to give people on um, this is what to do. This is what I want you thinking about this week. This is what, you know, these are the calls you still need to make, yeah. you know? Um, these and are
0: I want to the- s- say too, when you're talking yeah. about making calls or talking about political action, I want to be really clear that Racial justice should not be a partisan politic. It should not. It should not be. And it, it is, and it's frustrating. But if if someone is watching this, like if you are a Democrat, if you are a Republican, you should be involved in this. Yeah. Regardless of where you stand, this should be yeah. important to you. This is not a partisan thing. This This is about making sure that we don't have laws that absolutely protect racist behavior.
2: Exactly, exactly. And if and, and we... If we say that uh, we believe in the Constitution mm-hmm. and that all men are cre- created equal, right. like, you know, like, if, if, if you know, but we don't believe that. You know, we, we, be- I'm just gonna be out. We don't believe that. We believe, we don't that, behave yeah, like right, it. Yeah, we don't behave like it. Yeah. We don't create laws like it, right. you know? And so I think the thing is, that's the thing is like, this should be a bipartisan issue. Yes, it should We're be. working together but a lot of times we don't work together as it relates to these issues because we're afraid of how as people are empowered and information and truth is given we're we're afraid that it's going to bring imbalance into one of these systems these partisan groups right and really when it should be a bipartisan issue um, and because it I- should
0: I- be, I- and if you yeah. can't get involved in racial justice because you're afraid of how it will affect your politics, I feel like yeah. you need to have a long talk with Jesus.
2: Yes, <laughs> because like, you are a part of the problem. Like yes, you are a part of the problem when we start talking about doing things that are just and doing things that that um, bring restoration and that so that that all people can flourish, no matter yeah. if you're white, if you're Asian, if you're Latina, if you're Indigenous. If if you're black that we all can flourish and there's a way to do that where we're all flourishing, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, just because you bring equity for one group, it doesn't mean that you're bringing inequality for another, like, not at all. it's like at all. And so like when you feel like it's taken away from some someone else, when you give something to someone else, you know, and I think, you know, those are the things that we have to have these harsh conversations around. And um, there's so many books out there, like um, the color of law and just um, the, the new Jim Crow and mm-hmm. just mercy and just all these things that really talk about these issues you know, I have friends that watch just mercy and they were just like, in tears, like could not believe it. And I said, but this is the thing I said, when I watched that, and first of all, this is happening in the nineties, not in the sixties. This Mm is the nineties, just mercy. It's like dealing with the late eighties, nineties, two thousands, like this is, this is current history. Yeah. Um, but the thing is when you talk about that community that he highlights in that, um, in that, that place, in that city in in Alabama, like that sheriff was in power until 2019. He was voted into office after all of that seven times.
0: Unbelievable.
2: That's the part that grieves me. Yeah. It's chilling. And, yeah, it is like. I mean, just outright, anybody that's looking at that movie, you know right from wrong. Right. And you know what was just and what was unjust. And like my
0: 10-year-old watched that movie Mm -hmm. and can see what was just and unjust. But we're so colored by our politics. Yes. That you can watch that movie or know that story and then still vote for the same person because you need to make sure your team stays. Yeah. And it's like we have to be willing to put down the partisanship to make sure that we are being just.
2: We have got to give it up, really, because that, first of all, is not a kingdom for those people who are people of faith. It's not a kingdom system. Partisanship is not a kingdom system. No, it's not. And, and, you know, and, and when you start looking at this, um, it's like you have to give it up because we've created some idols yes. out of some things that yes, we, have. Um, we have. And that is what's driving our belief system, our values yeah. and our ideologies. And those, some, those are some things that we have to lay down. And so I'm glad that we're having this conversation and there are people that are getting it. There are people that are reading that are like, oh my goodness, the blinders have come off. Yes. Those are the people that I want to have conversations with.
0: Well, I want to thank you. I mean, I, I know that this is exhausting work. I yeah. I feel exhausted by it, and I am not a person of color. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine how exhausting it must be to be, you know, to, to both be caring for yourself in all of it mm-hmm. and then doing the work of educating other people with all of the resistance and ignorance that they probably throw back at you. So right. I just thank you so much for your for your patience, for your grace, for your wisdom, and for the way that you have changed my life and continue to just change the hearts and minds of other people. We'll link up to your site where you're giving action steps. Okay. And I hope that anyone watching this who felt really moved by what happened in the news this past week will then take the next step, take the next action yeah. step of of what do I need to do politically? Um, and I just can't say enough about your book, "Be the Bridge." I, this yeah. is such a good, um, a good step for people to take if they are going. I don't know what to read. It's it's just such a good. Um, Book for people to read, but thank you so much for taking. And I'm excited time. about your book. Thank you.
2: Yes, I'm so excited. So thank you. Um, this, this is really good. So I'm grateful um, that we're having this conversation, and that there are going to be, be people that are listening. And yeah. I think people just can continue to leverage their platforms to push this conversation yes. forward. You know, um, because it is so important. So,
0: yeah, yeah, I agree. Thank you. Okay.
3: As I record this, it's the day after Mother's Day, and I want to talk about Mother's Day, because if you are like any of the people I spoke with today who have a little bit of a hangover from Mother's Day, then you're who I want to speak to. I'm going to just start with a disclaimer. I had an incredible mother. She certainly wasn't perfect. I can readily tell you all the ways in which she failed, and in the same breath, I can tell you that everyone who knew her wished she had been their mother and she was mine. She had a profound wisdom about her. In fact, I believe she was in pursuit of wisdom her whole life. I believe she found a security and an escape from what she had experienced as a child in truly wanting to know herself. I know that she didn't really get the opportunity to come into herself on the level that she would have if she had not died at the age of 62, which incidentally is the age I am today. But she was one of the most generous people. And when I say generous, I mean with her time and her wisdom. She freely would sit with anyone, especially a woman of any age, and pour into them. That quote by Abraham Lincoln, everything I am I owe to my dear mother, could not be truer of me. However, I know that that is not everyone's story, and in fact, my mother's story is quite rare, and I am incredibly aware of the privilege I carry around that. I am also devoted to being as much like her as I can, and what she taught me, above all else, was how to sit with people and see them as they truly are, as they can't see themselves, to usher them into understanding who they are and believing in themselves, maybe more so than she even knew of herself. She had an uncanny ability to bring me to myself, and to bring others to themselves. The greatest compliment I can receive is when people who knew her say I remind them of her. That was by design, I believe. The fact that I am so much like her, designed by a power greater than I, and also, it has been done with intention I have sought to be like my mom in the ways that I admired most about her. I've also overcome things in my life that she never got the opportunity to overcome, and I feel like that is me giving back to her what she gave to me. Our maternal relationship is the most powerful relationship we will ever experience. So when a mother is unable to be like my mom, When a mother is unable for any reason, whether nefarious or helplessly, unable to provide and meet the emotional, physical, and mental needs of her child, it changes that child. It changes the way that child sees themselves, the way that child sees the world, and the way the child sees herself in the world. If your mother, for any reason, was unable to meet your emotional, physical, and mental needs in every way that you were innately expecting them to be met, because we come into the world needing those needs to be met by our primary caregivers, and they can be met by others, but when they're not met by our mothers, it has a more profound effect on us than any other abandonment, any other caregiver's abandonment. So when your mom was not able to meet those needs for you, it changed the way you saw yourself. It changed the way you saw the world. And it changed the way you saw yourself in the world. And you have carried that burden your whole life. So, of course, Mother's Day is hard because the very things that the little one you were needed from her are the things that make us who we are. The reason we put babies skin-to-skin within an hour of their birth, first with their mother and then their father, usually, is to validate the secure attachment they come with, the belief that they are worthy of love and belonging, that they have a purpose for having been brought into this bright, shiny world that's way less comfortable than the one they were in for nine months. There's a reason and a purpose for you to be here. That is your secure attachment. Almost immediately that attachment begins to get wounded. Because our parents aren't perfect. The best parents weren't perfect. The best parents weren't able to meet all of our needs. But when we have a mother who is suffering from postpartum depression, or mental illness, or addiction, or grief, or any other of the million things that can take us outside of ourselves abuse in a relationship, control, domestic violence, or even just a very domineering husband who demands that things be a certain way. And if your mother did not have the freedom, for whatever reason, to push against that and make the right choices for herself and for you, it changed you. It changed the way you see yourself. So you navigated life without the care that you needed. Maybe it was short-term Maybe you don't even have memory of your mom struggling. Maybe it was postpartum and she got better. The great thing about you as a mom, if you have failed to meet all the needs of your children, which you have, I promise you, we all have, you have their whole childhood to make up for it. Given the environment that you grew up in and the relationship you had with your mother that caused Mother's Day to be so painful for you, and I know there are a lot of reasons Mother's Day is painful, but I'm focusing today on... Those of you who had difficult mothers and the ways in which you might feel like a failure as a mom because you didn't have anyone to model for you what mothering should look like. You may have a lot of stories that run through your mind about your capabilities as a mother. You may even struggle as a mother. You may even struggle with feeling love for your children as a mother, or it may manifest in your feeling inadequate as a mother. Many of you are incredible mothers. Because you didn't have a good mom and you went and did a lot of work, or you read a lot of books, or you talked to a lot of people that could help you, and you found a way to tap into the maternal part of you. And it's really important to know that you have a maternal instinct. Whether you're male or female, you have a maternal instinct. We are both masculine and feminine, and we are all maternal. And thank goodness we are, because there's a little inner child in you. And there's an inner adolescent in you that both exist because of the ways that they didn't get their needs met when they were children, when you were a child. And those little ones show up at the most inopportune times for you. And every time they do, they're just there to tell you there was a need we didn't get met when we were little. And I really need you to meet it now. And if you don't, I'm going to act like we acted when we were little. If I'm an inner child, I'm going to be scared. That's my primary emotion is fear. So when your inner child shows up, she's scared. Your adolescent exists to fight for the inner child who's scared. The adolescent is trying to figure out how to get out of this environment, how to go on to something better that they are in control of because they're tired of being controlled. They're tired of not knowing what to expect. They're tired of the chaos or the fear or the anxiety or the abuse, or whatever it was you experienced. And they're trying to get the little one out, out into the real world, but they're scared too. But the adolescent shows up as pissed, rebellious, judgmental, rigid, defensive. You have a teenager in your house, that's what your adolescent looks like. When those traits show up, it's your adolescent saying, hey, we're not safe, I'm here to figure out how to get us safe, and I need you, the adult, to take over because I don't know how to get us safe. I'm an adolescent. Now that you're an adult, it's your job to take care of me and the little one. So when we are able to recognize that's happening and pull back into the present moment and draw on the things that we know, we can be the adult. And from that space, we can draw on those maternal instincts and give that little one what they need, calm down the anxiety and anger of the adolescent and tap into our truth, which is always full of compassion and love and care and patience, goodness and kindness and radical empathy. And from there, I can act and nurture that little one and give her what she needs. There's a lot of steps to getting to where you know how to do that if that's not something you've figured out by now. But in the context of Mother's Day and this emotional hangover that you might be having today, this week, after a tough weekend of knowing, it would have been nice if you'd had a mom to celebrate. It would have been nice if you'd known what to expect as a kid. It would have been nice to get those needs met. And I can meet them now. I can learn how to meet them now. I can turn towards myself. And I can love myself. And I can treat myself with kindness. I might even be able to let my mother off the hook. That might come in the form of setting some really strong boundaries with her. If she's still living and in your life, it might come in the form of forgiveness. You get to decide that. And that's in your timeline. Contrary to what most people say, I don't believe that's necessary. I think there's some things that are unforgivable. And I think we can find peace without having to forgive the unforgivable. I think that's a fallacy that we carry around about forgiveness, but that's another conversation for another day. But what's most important is you can step in where your mother left off. You can step in where your mother failed. You can give that little girl inside of you everything she needs. You can love her the way you weren't loved. You can meet the needs that weren't met. You can restore her belief in her value, in her worthiness, in her belonging. You can do all of that because you're a mama. Whether you've ever given birth or not, you are a mama. I saw a quote this weekend that said, Love your inner child and become your own nurturing parent so that even if the relationship ends or the old life dies, you can trust in your bones that you are safe, whole, and complete. You are safe. You are whole. You are complete. You have intrinsic value on this planet. You were placed here because no one else can be and do who you are and what you are meant to do. Love that little girl inside of you. Give her what she needs to shine. Celebrate her in the way your mom didn't know how. She deserves that.
0: Hey, thank you for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us on Instagram at, at Selfie podcast and in the Selfie Podcast community group on Facebook. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at SelfiePodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so you can catch up with us next week. Take care.